It's time to lead the people. The show for aspiring leaders at every level. If you want to boost your self-confidence, get noticed, and maximize your impact by leading others, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Matt Pepsel. Ready to lead? Follow me. My very special guest today is the founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and the journal that talks back. She's recognized as a pioneer in the field of leadership coaching and thought mastery, and she uses her unique philosophy and quirky coaching style to help leaders identify their blind spots and learn to direct their thinking to achieve extraordinary results. She is Kim Addis. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. So one thing I noticed from your background, Kim, is you've had the opportunity to talk to uh, leaders from all different backgrounds, all different perspectives, experience levels. You provide coaching to them. And I wanted to ask you this question. What is it in your experience that keeps these talented and driven people from reaching their goals? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, the truth is that these talented people do reach some goals, but they feel like they're not reaching them fast enough. They feel like their teams aren't rowing in the same direction. They feel like the people around them aren't don't have the same sense of urgency. And so while they are in the process of reaching their goals, they never feel like they're quite where they should be. And so they feel like they're always delayed, slowed, not as advanced, not maximizing their potential. And so what makes them feel that way, number one, is their thinking. So is it true that they aren't reaching their potential? Maybe, but the bigger issue is that they don't feel good about what they are achieving. And so that feeling slows them down from being able to get to the next level or achieve the next goal. So they're going about things in a way where they're frustrated, thrashing about, in friction, in conflict, they're definitely not enjoying the process. They're not enjoying, you know, the 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 journey to reaching the next goal. And they think that when they need reach the next goal, then they'll feel better. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So it's this, they have a set of beliefs that get in the way that say things should be different than the way they are right now. And if only everybody would understand me and and do what I asked them to do and get on board and work as hard as I do, then things would be better. It's amazing. And, and most of the leaders that I know, they're really good at two things. They're good at focusing on the results and kicking their own butts. And so is there a way that a lot of my listeners are aspiring leaders, maybe a little bit newer to the leadership game? Is there a way to kind of know how it's supposed to feel or to know that you're making progress? Or is it totally that feeling like you talked about? Well, that feeling isn't necessarily a good thing. That feeling actually slows you down. So, you know, so the question is, how do you make progress? How do you know you're making progress? You know you're making progress when uh, rather than focusing on all the things that are going wrong, you're starting to be solution focused. You're focusing on the things that are going right. You are seeing opportunity in front of you, whereas before you were never able to see it because you were never actually receptive. And so you're able to put pieces together more easily. You're able to um, invite opportunity your way and connect with the right people at the right time. And so when things just start to flow, start happening, then you start to understand that your own vantage point is changing and you're lining up with the goal and the desire. And so what we find is that when people aren't reaching the goals they want to reach, it simply means they're not lined up with the goal or the desire. They are pointed away from it. And a lot of the reasons that they're pointed away from it is because of the beliefs they have. And those beliefs get in their way. 
I love it. I love it. When I'm talking about my own leadership framework, I've kind of come down to three key pillars. I call them self-mastery, inspiring others, and delivering results. And this clearly lands right within that self-mastery. You've got to get good at understanding and developing self-awareness and committing yourself to you know, that personal side of, of change. You have to be at your best if you're going to help those around you be at their best and achieve those goals. Yeah. And I often find that, you know, most people who want to reach goals, they start with what should I do differently, right? They start with uh, the action steps, as you say, the results. And I find that when they don't take care of themselves first, when they don't line themselves up, they can take all this action and still not get the results they're looking for because the way they're going about it isn't really truly aligned with the desire that they have or the goal that they have. Yeah, it's almost like you're describing take an inside out approach as opposed to outside in, which we're so tempted to do. You know, the, the the people that we work for say you need to do this or take your team and accomplish this thing. So it's all very extrinsic in a sense. But if you're truly going to have it feel the right way and be, be a, maximize your performance, I'd say it has to start from within. Well, it, you know, I, I, I sometimes use this example. It's kind of like you want the dog to wag his tail. So you take the tail and you shake it. Right. <laughs> and I think. Like a lot of times leaders try that approach. They're like, well, I'm in charge. I have to control all of the things. So that's how I'm going to get the dog to wag his tail. And we know that's not how dogs wag their tails. I love that. Right. I in fact, that. that's a good way to get the dog to bite you. Right. Yeah, and, so, and so that is exactly what leaders try to do. There's a lot of force around leadership. And oftentimes that force backfires. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I think a lot of what we're talking about is sort of that, that inner game, so to speak. And, and the reason I was so excited to have you come on the show is that you're an authority on a, a personal development uh, area that I have all, Kim, I have always struggled with this and it is journaling. So I, I, I'll withhold my judgment in my own personal experience, but what is it that's so great about journaling? So if you take a person and then they just journal by themselves, it's really profound. It has a huge impact on them because what does journaling do? Journaling allows you to deposit your thoughts because your thoughts are not you. Very often we think our thoughts are, are us and that they're absolutely true. But journaling allows us to deposit our thoughts, step back and look at them from a greater vantage point and with that make decisions. But also journaling is a tool that allows us to take our emotional state from one place and bring it to another. Okay. So I would say to you that oftentimes uh, a leader's emotional state is truly what interferes with their ability to achieve their goals. Hmm. So what I'm hearing is it's, it's not about it being objective journaling, but it, it's still subjective, but it does provide that perspective of, okay, now it's out of my head, it's onto paper in whatever form I got it out there. And now I can sort of examine it and observe it and sort of th that detachment sounds pretty healthy. Exactly. So I have you know, people say, what's the best way to journal? And I have a, a concept. It's called dump, dump, and then dump the dump. And so when there's something in your brain, write it down. When you think you're done, keep going, right? So dump, dump, and then decide whether or not that's what you still want. And what I usually say is dump the dump, turn yourself around move towards where you want to go now because when often we're dumping things we're you know complaining we're expounding we're just writing down everything we're frustrated about and what i want to encourage people to do is do that get it out of your system but then say okay where do i want to go now because all mm -hmm. this stuff isn't necessarily serving me or bringing me 
to where I want to go. So what needs to be in place? How do I need to think? How do I need to feel? How do I need to view the world? How do I need to show up in order to get where I want to go? Because this isn't getting me there. And so, so yeah. continue journaling and take yourself to the next place. So the first part sounds like it's it's very, uh, I'm sure it's very cathartic to just kind of pour information out onto the page, just in whatever form it comes. I know that I've always struggled in two areas of my life, meditation and journaling, always that that self-judgment of, oh, you're doing it wrong. This can't be how it's supposed to go. But I want, you know, I'm hearing you say is just, just dump it out there. Just get it all out of your head. Just out dump it out. And again, it's like, it's useful to reread what you wrote and say, is this what I want? What do I want instead? So part of it is just journaling by itself is extremely effective. But when you're journaling with a coach, it's a game changer because your coach then sees what you're writing and starts to understand your patterns, patterns of belief, patterns of behavior, your values, the way you operate, and really gets to understand how you're wired. And with a coach reading your journals, what happens is they're able to see and pick out things that are really standing in your way and address those quickly. And so what the coach is doing is really helping you remove some of the barriers that you're experiencing and the things that are slowing you down. And so the journaling component allows you to accelerate at an incredibly rapid rate. It's actually astonishing how effective it is. So if I'm coming to this practice and I'm going to take up journaling again, and I'm going to do it with a coach. Am I, I can't help but think that I've got the, the, the fact that I know the coach is going to be reading. Am I writing to the coach? Am I just journaling for myself, but I know the coach is going to be helping me process what, what sort of attitude or mindset should I bring to my journaling in that format you're talking about? Yeah. Usually you're, you're journaling to your, to yourself and you're aware that someone's reading it, but at the same time, you know, keep in mind the coach is pretty, savvy, pretty skilled at knowing when you're skipping some important details, knowing when you're uh, trying to impress the coach, like we're good at this, right? And so the idea is write down what's on your mind and allow the coach to take you through a journey of exploration. And if you want the, the most results, be as authentic, be as real, be as transparent as you humanly can, because that will, again, allow you to, to move forward at a much more rapid rate. Now, I'm a tremendous, a tremendous advocate of coaching. I've always enjoyed uh, studying it at the highest levels. I've enjoyed when I've had coaches. I encourage all leaders to be coaches to whatever extent they can with their people. And I know in, in a lot of my coaching background, there's been kind of directive coaching when you've got a goal in mind that you want to perform or achieve mastery in, and sometimes non-directive, and you're just kind of like a little bit more of the subjective elements of, of being a leader. Which format is better suited or are they both suited for a journaling exercise with a coach? Well, it, it is very interesting. From my perspective, I think a lot of leaders, when they step into the coaching role, they make a few critical mistakes. And one of the mistakes is they just tell people what to do here, do this. They're, you know, what they do is they say, well, here's, here's the answer. Here's the solution. Just do this. And what they fail to do is understand the thinking or the beliefs that are driving the current behavior or the current outcomes, right? So for, for example, Matt, if your goal is to lose weight, okay, let's just take that as an example. I'm just saying, just let's take that as an example. And I come to you and I'm your boss and I'm the coach in this situation. I'm the leader. I say, Matt, it's really simple. What you need to do is eat less and exercise more. 
Just do those things. In fact, here's your eating plan. I'm going to give you the eating plan. Just eat like this every single day. You're like, it's simple, right? But you know, it's not that simple because right. there's something else at play. And what else is at play? Motivations, desires, beliefs, birthdays, whatever it is, right? You have all this stuff playing in your mind that says, well, if I don't have a glass of wine um, at my anniversary, then I'm not really celebrating. And that's not really, you know, right in terms of honoring this, this event. And so now you're at war with yourself. Well, guess what? That stuff is happening all day, every day with everything. Mm -hmm. And so if a leader just simply says, here's what you need to do without understanding the thinking or the beliefs around that thing, they're missing the point. Right. Many leaders don't get the relationship between thoughts and beliefs, actions, and then results. They yeah. just look at the actions here. Just do this. Yeah. And so it's not one or the other. I think it's really very useful for leaders to understand that in order to truly maximize the potential of your people, you absolutely need to look at the beliefs they have around everything they're doing. Right. And when the beliefs are lined up with the actions, then you're going to get results. But if you just give them actions, they'll make a small change for a small period of time. Fine, I'll eat your eating plan. But then, you know, week one, week two, week three, what happens? Week four, okay, fine, I'll have a piece of whatever, fried chicken, yeah. right? It's only one piece. No one's going to know. Yeah, I, right? I, yeah, I think it's so true. And I think that obviously the... The, the, the patterns of thinking, the habits, the, the friction that we experience, you know, it, it absolutely shows up in our work. And, you know, I think I think leaders, especially aspiring leaders, f can feel overwhelmed sometimes with even what it takes just to master the team dynamic and to understand, you know, their their role. So it's a lot to put on them. I love the idea that we can help them, uh, you know, expand their thinking about where performance really comes from in that way. Yeah, I, I, I can't express it or emphasize that enough. Yeah. And and we kind of got into this a little bit, but I was going to ask you the question, like, is there a right way to journal? Is there a, a right format? Should I be handwriting like with pen and paper, like in the old days or digital? I mean, matter? obviously, but everyone's working in a digital world, so yeah. I'm, I'm fine with either one. Um, but let me kind of tell you what happens when you're journaling. You know, you talked about meditation before and yeah. meditation and journaling. Um you know, when we were little, we didn't learn to meditate, but we did learn to read and write, right? We learned to write. So writing isn't that foreign to us. We're writing all the time. We're texting, we're emailing, we're doing that stuff. So it's a natural thing for us to do. But what is it, what happens to our bodies when we're journaling? Well, our fingers can't write or type as fast as our brains go. Mm -hmm. They just can't. It's physically not possible. And so what happens when you're journaling is you're actually slowing down your mind. So in a way, journaling uh, acts as a mode of meditation. Okay. And it helps you to just relax, calm down, get still. And it's extremely effective from just a physiological standpoint. So then in, in that approach, is, is it um, recommended that you have journal prompts or like guided or is it a little bit, because I've heard of guided, you know, I've experienced guided meditation too, versus just like sit down and boom, you know, try to try to make it up on your own. Yeah. I mean, both, both are really effective. We, when we coach our leaders, our executives mm -hmm. on a weekly basis, we give them a new journaling prompt. 
Okay. And what we want is to kind of get the journaling juices flowing. That gets things started. Yeah. And from a coaching standpoint, we're looking for very specific data. But if you're just journaling on your own, you can ask yourself a question and answer that question in your journal. It could right. be something like, you know, uh, what do I want out of this relationship? Or mm -hmm. what would a win-win look like for me? Or what's really getting in my way of achieving this particular goal? Or how was it when I was young? Was this an issue at that time too? Or right. what changed over the years? Whatever the question is. I like that. I, I also like the encouragement that a journal prompt would kind of provide a little bit more, I don't want to say security, but a little bit more direction. I think a lot of times if you sit down and say, journal, go, you're like, oh my gosh, I, it's a little bit paralyzing for some people versus a, a prompt is like, okay, okay, I can get into this. And I think, like you said, one, the starting is the hard part. Once you get started, it's going to flow. You're going to get into it and it gets easier over time, I bet. Right, exactly. It does get easier. And Again, when you have a coach who's reading and responding to your journals with questions and inquiries, it becomes like a conversation. So you right. journal, your coach reads and asks you questions and provides comments. And now you're really digging in. You're really going beneath the surface of your original journal and you're examining. Yeah, how do I really think or feel about that? Why mm -hmm. did that happen? What is the pattern that's going on? Why did I respond that way? Right. What's actually happening here? Yeah, now you've got some real experiences that you can start to examine and explore and, and start to pull apart and, and get to that. that it's really about self-awareness and then eventually self-modification or self-regulation, but it's got exactly. to start with awareness. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Well, you, you've committed me again to journaling. I think that uh, it's something that, that I'm going to get back to and, and uh, I appreciate some of that, I, I wanted to tell you that you're a journaling expert, I'm not. So uh, as I think about, a, uh, I always like to write a fun game for my guests. I had to go and Google some, some things about journaling and I found a series of benefits. So what I thought we could do, I call this game the right stuff, right? What's obviously okay. right stuff because we're writing. And uh, so here are some benefits that I listed as well as some that I've just made up completely on my own. So your choice <laughs> is to figure out which of these are actual benefits of journaling, some of which surprise me and, uh, and which are, are not. So here's the first example. This be, I think you're gonna get all these right. Uh, the first one is stretching your IQ, uh, evoking yeah. mindfulness, and then uh, reminding you that you left the oven on. So which of those is not a benefit? Of well, the truth is they could all be benefits. Oh, nice. They could all be benefits. And we know that reminding you that you left the oven on is probably the one that you added in. However, <laughs> the moment you start to journal is the moment you put your thoughts down and some things can, right, strike a, a, a consciousness. Oh, my God, I just did this. So it could potentially help you to remember that you left the oven on. I like that. I, I, in that one, stretching your IQ came as a surprise to me. That's an actual, and it is an actual benefit of journaling, but uh, that's, that's pretty encouraging. I like that. You know, what else is a benefit of journaling? If you're a student, it actually helps you improve your test results. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Help you with your, your, uh, your academic performance. Yeah, seriously. Uh, here's a, here's the next set uh, helping you achieve your goals, yep. uh, increasing emotional intelligence or renting cars at a discount. Yeah, see? Yeah, see? Renting cars at a discount. Yeah, it would be nice. Although, although, if you journal and you really want to rent a car at a discount, your journaling might say, hey, I can't afford a car. So what are the options that will help me get a car at a cheaper rate? And sometimes you just need to brainstorm on paper and that could actually help.
There you go. See, all paths lead to journaling. All paths. All right, here's the last one. Last one. You ready? Sparking creativity. Yep. Boosting self-confidence. Yep. Or saving you from variety show appearances. See, there's no escaping that last one, Kim. I think we're proving that. No escaping. No escaping. But sparking creativity. I bet that one is is profound with journaling. I bet, you know, you would know better than I, but have you seen that in some of your journalers that they're, they're kind of uh, opens a door to creativity that maybe they didn't have before? A hundred percent. And, and here's the thing is um, a lot of times creativity is stunted when a person says I'm not creative. Mm, Right. So we make things up a lot. Self-limiting. Yeah. Right. And so uh, we find that journaling kind of allows you to put that belief down and say, Mm -hmm. okay, so what do I want to create? What's possible for me here? And uh, journaling essentially opens up more possibilities, provides people with more opportunities and options. And, you know, when people feel stuck, they feel like they have no options. And journaling really opens that door and makes more things accessible. Possibilities. I love it. All right. Well, I'm going to get you on this question. Where can my listeners, Kim, go to learn more about you? Okay. So number one is you can go to frameofmindcoaching.com to learn about our executive coaching services. But we just launched something brand new for a younger generation, a younger population. We're looking at people between the ages of 18 and 35. And what we did was we created an accessible, affordable, unlimited coaching service for young people. And so they go on, they journal, they get assigned to a coach, they journal as much as they want with their coach and their coach, a real human certified coach will read and respond to every single one of their journals. So you can journal once a week, once a day, six times a day. It doesn't really matter. Your coach will be there right by your side, reading and responding to your journals and providing you some real life coaching within a 24 hour time period. Wow. That sounds amazing. I was once uh, 18 to 35. That was a long time ago. But uh, it sounds like a fabulous service. I love the idea of a coach being able to kind of help me pull apart my thoughts a little bit and look for those patterns and give me that objective counsel that uh, you know, I've always loved about coaching, you know, that, that hold up that mirror, so to speak. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. But uh, that website is called thejournalthattalksback.com. Perfect. I will include those links in the show notes. So listeners, you're only one click away uh, right there in the episode description to find Kim, to find all about journaling. Kim, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to meet you too. Here are my well-written top three takeaways from today's episode. One, feeling good is fundamental. If you want to perform at your best, you've got to feel good about what you're pursuing. Life's too short to chase goals that don't resonate with your deepest sense of purpose. Two, write it out. Journaling allows you to slow things down and capture your thoughts in an unobstructed flow. Then you can step back and see them in a more open way to broaden your perspective. Three, dig deep. Go beyond the surface level to examine the emotions tangled up in your experiences. Don't just dwell on decisions and actions, but get down to the emotional why behind them. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider hitting the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for making this investment in your leadership ability, and thanks for sharing this podcast with another aspiring leader who needs to hear it. All right, leaders. Until next time, don't just manage the business when you can lead the people. So it could potentially help you to remember that you left the oven on.